Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Librarian Influencers Podcast, and today I am very excited to welcome Hilda Weisberg to our our audience. And I I was letting her know a little bit earlier that I have admired her from afar, and and it's just my great honor today to be able to speak to her in person. So Hilda, would you mind go ahead and telling us a little bit about your background in the library? I fell into library. Um, I was graduating college, and I was getting married. Those were the days. (laughs) That was the order people did things. And I needed to find a job because we didn't have a car and I needed to know where we're going to get in our apartment. And um, I interviewed at one place and said that I had worked as a page in the public library and the um, interim superintendent dying to fill the position said, would you like to be our librarian and get um, two, six credits in library science over the summer and get an emergency certification tacked onto your teaching certificate? And I said, yes. For sure. And um, I did that. And um, I set the course for my entire life. I, I, I took my first two my courses at Columbia University, which no longer has a library school, but okay. it did have a Dewey desk. I'd had a Melville Dewey chair of cataloging. Okay. And um, I finished my coursework on Friday, August 10th, and got married on Saturday, August 11th. Oh, wow. And as I say, my rest of my life has worked that way. Been a whirlwind, definitely. Well, well go ahead and give us a little rundown of what, what your library experience has been. Like, what have you done over your career? I, I um, will do a little bit about my beginnings, but I started there. And then, of course, uh, in the way of the times, I um, stopped when I got pregnant with uh, my first child. And at that point, my husband was in service. It was Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And uh, came back and... Uh, worked in a, um, and finally got back into public library work, got t- as a part-time and uh, teach being a young a children's librarian and a part-time young adult librarian. Okay. And from there, I then went into being an elementary librarian, tra- was transferred to being a high school librarian. Um, somewhere while I was an elementary librarian, I started writing with Ruth Tour. Uh, and did our first book that came out in 1979 called The Elementary School Librarian's Almanac. Okay. And it was the first ever book for librarians that wasn't either um, a book about literature, children or young adult literature, or something like um, simple catalog, simplified cataloging, you know, things like that. It was yeah. how to do your job. Nobody knew you needed to have anything on that because didn't you learn it all in library school? <laughs> and to give you an idea how ludicrous, how strange it was, how it was received. It was called, as I said, the Elementary School Librarian's Almanac. Mm-hmm. High school librarians bought it. It sold 35,000 copies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Today, my bestsellers sometimes approach 3,000. Oh, my goodness. People were just that desperate to have some information. Nobody knew it was needed until it happened. Okay. I think everybody owes it me, owes uh, Ruth and me royalties. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Wow. So that's how it started. So, 
So my writing started uh, almost simultaneously to that second part of my career, going back to work in elementary. I was transferred into the high school um, and was responsible for building a major extension to that school for the library. And then when the superintendent left, I knew it was time to leave that district because I saw what was going to happen. And I transferred to another school district in New Jersey, mm -hmm. uh, which is where I worked until I retired. But that retired is always in quotation marks. Right. Because I, um, I currently teach online courses uh, for William Patterson University in New Jersey as an adjunct. And of course, I do things like keynotes and uh, uh, workshops and all-day workshops, hour-long presentations uh, at national conferences, state conferences, whatever. Very exciting. So you've you've had um, you run a New Z uh, an Australian uh, magazine. Very good. Yes, I, I just saw that you posting about that in their Facebook group. So that's mm -hmm. exciting. Great things are happening for you. Now you mentioned New Jersey. Um, I, you might actually be the first person from New Jersey that I have interviewed. So. What are the requirements there to be a school librarian? Well, I looked at it again, and it, I say it's complicated. There are two levels. The okay. full level requires the master's, okay. but it also but you can get to the master's or the 36 credits beyond uh, the bachelor's degrees in a number of ways. Uh, there are several schools available. There's a lot of information uh, on uh, the NJSO websites. There's also, we give the, uh, the full thing is the school library media specialist certification. Um, the other one is the associate school library media specialist certification. And for that one, um, it's the bachelor's degree plus uh, 16 credits in, in approved subject matter and stuff like that. And it's all listed there and you can get certified is a, a this little level where you know you can just in have your uh, undergraduate degree and start taking the graduate degree you know the, the extra courses and you can get a special certification for that as a matter of fact i have some in my class right now okay is, is there a rule that they need to teach at all in, in New uh, that too can be gotten around because uh we have the alternate route Okay. So you have, that's why I say it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, pretty much um, you start with it. We have help for you and uh, the Department of Ed will go over what, what you need and don't need. But you can get to be a librarian here with just taking a test. Okay. Which in some other states. Yes, that, I have seen that in some other states too. Um, now, now, typically I ask people to tell me about what they remember their first year or two in the library. I mean, you, you could tell a story, you know, if you wanted to do that, or if you want to talk about maybe some of your students, you know, what first years are like for them. What, what I will tell you this. Okay. Um, I told you I fell into library. Yes. I was a disaster my first years. <laughs> um, I was hired, as I say, to, in desperation, because he wanted to fill the position. Mm -hmm. I did some good things, but I was obviously not ready. I had only two, well, I was taking some more courses, but I was making this everything up as I was going along. Um, I wasn't rehired at the end of the year. Okay. Now that was interesting because although I was disappointed, and I understood what happened. It never occurred to me when I was looking for my next job to go back to looking for a job as a high school English teacher. Hmm. 
I went and got another job in a library, school library, where I was the second librarian. Okay. And there was a head librarian there. And I learned a hell of a lot. Suits me for the work. Learned a lot from her, which is why I always say how important it is to have a mentor. Mm -hmm. This is how you best best learn, particularly when you're alone. Right. Fortunately, the next year, her husband transferred and she left, and I got the librarian from hell, and I left again. And that's how I ended up going into public library work for a while. Okay. Okay? So what I knew, what I learned in my first year was that I loved library work and that that's what made me happy, even though I had a lot to learn before I could do it well. Mm-hmm. and it's in line with my newest book in that no matter how much you were prepared to be a, and I was I was prepared to be a classroom teacher but that's not the library right it wasn't then which was it was different then and it isn't now um, oddly enough one of the things that I did do well was build relationships with my students okay and at that time talking uh, 1962 we had a library council consisting of all girls okay I also had an AV club consisting of all boys and their job was to uh, set up the 16 millimeter projectors for the teachers as I I think at this point, I'm enough of a dinosaur that I basically saw the entire technology re- uh, revolution to this point. That's exciting. Have you written articles about that? That would be an interesting thing to read. I've done a little bit on it when uh, I've discussed um, the stories people tell themselves about why they can't be leaders. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories people say is leaders are born, not made. And, you know, I'm not a leader. I wasn't a leader either. And if you look at my early, and I would point to my early career and saying, and if you met me then, you would know that I am not a leader, which is no longer true. Definitely. Most definitely. If you could send yourself any piece of advice back when you started years ago, what what would you tell yourself? Well, as I say, the idea of finding a mentor, I had a piece of a mentor. The library director in my public library where I worked as a page helped me reset up the library to make it work better. He even created, by moving furniture, created an office space for me. Okay. This was the library director who did it, a nice guy. And that's the first thing to know. Don't be afraid to ask someone to be your mentor. Definitely. this... Um, nobody's going to get your school district probably won't give you a mentor if they do they'll give you a teacher and that's not what you need so if you and if your district if your school library association doesn't have a mentorship program pick one email them and ask them you'd be surprised how many will say yes the biggest leaders in the field will say yes and now with social media it is just so easy to reach out to people I mean just amazing how simple that's become and in your you're right. People are just so, I think our profession overall, we're just very agreeable and nice people. <laughs> you know, we're, we're so service helpful. We are. We're service helpful oriented and we do it with our own. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see it on our social media. 
I need a book for. Mm -hmm. What do you do with? Mm -hmm. And you get tons of suggestions from people who have experience yeah. who understand what it is that you're doing. That's actually a, the blog I'm working on right now is, is different social medias and how easy it is to just ask these questions and start growing your, your own network of people to help. Yeah. You. I started um, the school librarians uh, workshop for a Facebook group. And mm -hmm. I was when Ruth Tor, who has since passed on, um, and I were doing that as a print newsletter. And um, I can remember how excited I was when we finally reached 300 members. When we, um, when I had to uh, cease publishing it because of lack of uh, subscribers, um, I considered closing it down, but I thought people were really getting along and it was helpful, so I let it keep going. We're over 12,000 members now. Oh my gosh, that is exciting. That is great. No idea how it happened. <laughs> but, well part of that is is that you 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 have such a big impact you know in the field and, and people recognize that and and that's where a lot of my my title comes from for this this blog and podcast is librarian influencers because i just i see librarians as having such an impact wherever they go you know there's just the this presence they have this impact that they bring with them um so how would you kind of describe the impact that a librarian can have on their campus or their district. It's almost like how, what, where are the limits? There is, is unlimited, depending on the librarian. What I do now is mostly curation. Okay. Gathering things and offering it because I get lots of different sources. But the librarian can create a reading culture. Um, they can create the set safe, welcoming uh, environment. Um, for everyone, um, by uh, pr also by presenting in an easy way, you know, it all depends on how well you communicate. But because you don't want to lecture, you don't want to tell, you want to empower mm -hmm. and engage. But you can get their district interested, showing them what you have to offer in EDI, trauma informed uh, teaching um social emotional learning and um you can um show them what you know when a teacher finally comes in when you finally got a teacher ready to collaborate with you um they tend to come in with a whole unit already in their head mm -hmm. and you have to can sometimes control your face and your voice because what they want is um, a variation, depending on the grade level, of uh, David Lurcher's bird units, which he said, you know, let's ban, ban the bird units. Mm -hmm. They require no thinking. You can Google it. In the old days, you could just look it up in the right reference book. Right. It hasn't changed. It's just the technology that's changed. The unit requires no thinking, just gathering facts mm -hmm. to no purpose. Yeah. And I find even most of their essential questions when they do them are not really essential questions. Mm -hmm. So you don't say, oh my God, what the hell were you thinking? What you say is, that is, I think that's a great start. Would you like the kids to also? I love that transition, that's great. Yes, you don't say no, you say, how about also? You know, you slowly build on it. 
and you show ways to give the students voice and choice. Mm -hmm. And you show why inquiry-based learning, when it's truly inquiry-based, have kids getting excited to the point that they remember what they have done and what they have learned well after the course is over. And they never ask, is this going to be on the test? Right. Right. That's very beautiful. Very well said. Well, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about your new book. Um, it's, I know it's called Classroom Management for School Librarians. So when is it coming out? Well, I know the book's going to be bound by the end of July, but I have the feeling it's going to come out early August. Okay. Exciting. Now, you mentioned early on that the library is not the same as a classroom. So talk a little bit about how you see the... the well, what happened was, I was thinking originally when I started planning the book, um, thinking about pre-service librarians mm -hmm. who are moving into the profession. And of course, a lot of them come from the classroom. True. And I, and they think, well, I don't know a lot of the library stuff yet, but I know how to run a classroom. And they do, just not a library classroom. So I thought maybe I will do a whole book on that. And I was talking at one of the ALA conferences with my friends in AASL and they said, oh good, we really need this. I went, we? <laughs> started realizing <laughs> it goes for everybody um, there's just so much that people don't think about it's not the same I guess the biggest one is they're not your kids true and they know it yeah and um, in high school it's really crazy because they know they're not your kid but sometimes their teacher is there you know you know and middle school it can be horrible with that so you better know how to build relationships with kids. And then learn names. You know, a classroom teacher has how many names to learn? Even in a high school, how many names do they have to learn? Right. And the contact with kids is so often through their names. Mm -hmm. And then you switch gears, you know, from one grade level to the next or one subject to the next. You know, you, I can be teaching an, e, an ELL, working with the ELL students in one class, and then all of a sudden have the AP uh, English kids coming in. That's a big switch in gears. It is. So, and then there are multiple schools, which also means multiple principals mm -hmm. and different school cultures. Mm -hmm. So, learning, accepting the fact that relationship building is a required skill, along with the fact that um, you, you can't make advocacy um, and um, leadership something you do when you have time. It has to be integral to every single thing you do. And in order to stay sane, and I, I'm seeing that it's becoming more universal. I remember when I started writing about this, you need a mission, a mm -hmm. vision, and a guiding philosophy because that grounds you and lets you know what you're doing when everything is pulling at you in a million different directions. Yeah. Um, then there's the fact of whether or not you have a curriculum because your curriculum is not, you know, it, when so many people have curriculums that read parts of the book, Dewey Decimal System, 
it's not a library curriculum. We're not, it's more about the process. It's about the thinking. It's about what are the um, strategies and skills that you can build into the classroom curriculums, which means you need to know all the curriculum. Right. It's like the classroom teacher. Right. You need to know everything. And you have to make the library safe. We have been the haven for so many people, adults, you know, many authors in particular, because they're the ones who write, have right. spoken about how much the library meant to them. They used to escape to the library. Mm -hmm. And so now we have, uh, at least we have things that help with EDI, you know, equity, diversity, and inclusion. There are so many resources on it. And um, we talk, and I mentioned trauma-informed teaching and learning. And... Um, it's more important now with the, with COVID, everybody's going back with trauma. True. Including your, the teachers and us. I mean, we're all dealing with it. Yeah. And, but we are the curators. We're the ones who can find the sources that help us stay balanced and stay as healthy as we can in these situations, which means how, when do you find time to do all this and stay sane? Which is time management. Mm -hmm. So all of that is built in to the one, <laughs> one book. Um, Amazing. <laughs> it's a lot of content, but if you're, it's all tied in together. It flows so well. You know, as I was listening to you talk about it, um, it makes perfect sense. Um, and when you know, I told you today as we schedule this, I needed to have time to get my walks done. Yes. That's how I take care of myself. Okay. My walking keeps me sane. Mm -hmm. And that's actually something I have regained during this COVID time, you know, cause I had really gotten away from just quiet, quiet brain time, you know, for myself and um, actually bought a bike. <laughs> and so I've been using that time and I, I love that. So that's, that's a really good point. That self-care is very, very important, you know, for us to do. So can't keep pumping water from a dry well. Mm -hmm. Good point. So with our listeners, a lot of them are, are early career librarians or maybe just starting out in their job for the first year. So um, aside from your book, which is actually all of your books, <laughs> do you have any kind of first steps that you really recommend to people as they're just starting out in the career? Yes. One is the mentor. Yes. And two is join your state library association and hopefully a, a, a national one. I'm a big person for ALA, AASL, since they, AASL is the only organization that's exclusively for school librarians. Um, and oddly enough, get involved a little bit because you get more, you, you're responsible as a librarian, unfortunately, for your own professional development. Mm -hmm. What the school offers for professional development is interesting, but it doesn't connect truly to what you need. That you're going to get from your state conferences, mm -hmm. from specialized webinars. Uh, AASL has a number of them, some for members, some not, and some free. And uh, know what the standards are. I know there's a whole big thing about uh, the cost of the standards, but at least go to uh, the AASL standards page, you know, at standards.aasl.org. Right. 
There's a lot of free stuff there and uh, you can get a sense of what to do and look for one or two books related to it um, that will make you comfortable, but get a mentor to talk to. You need some human um, that will get, get rid of all the spinning in your head. Mm -hmm. That's true. And with on the AASL standards page, I know they do have the two page spread, you know, with the students, I mean, the learners, the learners. Yeah, the framework, so, download the framework. Right. So that's There's, a really good one just to help you get that picture in your head. You know, of, also one other good thing there that I've been recommending people download. That's the evaluation checklist. Okay. Which covers all three frameworks and it does it for all uh, six shared foundations. Okay. And it's free download. Okay. So it's good for you to look at, but it's very nice sometimes to share with your administrator to show what it is that you're really doing. And suddenly it looks like a lot. Yeah. I also appreciate the videos where they have the students describing um, what, what those words, you know, mean to them. And that's, it helps me kind of get a better picture of, of where they were headed, you know, with, with um, the different words that they've chosen. I always remember the ICE acronym, you know, it's, it's ICE, ICE, you know, to kind of help me mm -hmm. keep up with them, but that's great steps very good steps well hilda thank you so much for your time today it's been so much fun talking to you and and, and getting to meet you uh, virtually face to face <laughs> so for our listeners who want to keep learning from you because you have so much to share how can where are they going to find you online well i'm at twitter i i do tweet um at, at hilda kw okay and as i mentioned i have the school librarians workshop facebook group um all you have to do is answer the question of how are you connected to libraries and I will accept you okay I don't do Instagram because I never got good at taking pictures but um, I blog weekly um, my daughter who is my editor and business manager such as it is not much business uh, she will um, post it on my uh, website and then also post it uh, on the school librarians workshop Facebook group but if you want to go to it, it's Hilda K. Weisberg, W-E-I-S-B-U-R-G dot com slash blog. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing today. You just have so many great stories and I look forward to seeing more and more. I'm going to actually look for your blog now because I've, I've just found you on Facebook. <laughs> so I, I look forward to just reading more and, and digging back into your, just the history of everything that you have to share with everyone. But thank you for doing what you do. Um, you make a difference in all of our lives, and we're just very thankful for you. So, have a welcome. And this is what keeps me young. <laughs> I have developed this wonderful philosophy of life that I have borrowed from somewhere, and I can't cite it. Um, <laughs> the idea is to die young and take a long time getting there. Oh, I like that. That's good. That's good. Well, congratulations on your first podcast. I hope there's many more to follow. And just have a great day and thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome and thank you for inviting me. You're welcome.